0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily Uh w- yeah, the best bits of this afternoon show. So I started watching the women's cricket. They got slightly thrown. It's not even live. Yeah, I know. Something about three weeks ago. No, no, I just love old women's cricket. Not old women's cricket. Vintage. Yeah, oh, anyway. yeah, I like old women's cricket. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we had a bona fide ex-professional footballer in the studio Maggie today. Maggie Smith, what a bowler she is. Yeah, she is. Tremendous. tremendous. Uh, Grant Holt uh, was here, formerly of Norwich and uh, Wigan and uh, other fine clubs. He was on good form. His yeah. autobiography's out lot of fun. You'll hear it's that. Um, also this afternoon, Dominic Holland, uh, friend of the show, Spider-Man's dad. He chatted about that as well as his new book. And we had a bit of a chat, didn't we? Yeah. We covered some ground. That's right. Yeah. So I think that more or less uh, says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, here it all is.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good
2: afternoon, Andy. I think- and we're getting very excited about the Ashes oh, now are. and uh, Moe and Ali has been talking about his batting he says uh, I feel my batting confidence is at its lowest my plan is to simply enjoy my batting again I was thinking no, what the plan should be stop giving the s- slip catching practice to the people behind you <laughs> yeah, that would be my plan that will be the plan yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's the key really I think it's technically you know it's not about that it's, 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 I think he needs to do a bit of work on that but there we go we hope he'll come good uh, plenty of chat about that to come as well the Ashes mm. uh, uh, a bloke has written to the star about something called Live Island. I always think if you're going to text him, why don't you spell it right, really?
1: Yeah, what is... Oh, oh, oh I see. Live Island. No-one corrected it for him. <laughs> no, they not That would no, have been the decent thing oh, to they do, don't. wouldn't it?
2: No, no, when you make a mistake and you send it in, they just print it
1: really oh yeah you say the quality control maybe isn't what it could be (laughs) well that's very true yeah yeah, Uh, talking
2: of quality control i love this reader's offer in the sun today the uh uh, the blazer the 30 pound blazer wow uh the company of an entire consignment in their warehouse but must clear to make room for new deliveries yeah Yeah. of course yeah make room for another load of old rubbish i mean how much would you expect (laughs) to pay for a quality gentleman's blazer 60 pound 80 pound. possibly hundred pounds? You might go to three figures. Yeah, not surprising, and nor surprisingly, we are seeking a measly thirty pounds. That's all its, they want for it. Thirty pounds. Yeah, please wow. don't be put off though by this ridiculously low price. Don't be put off. No, don't be put off. The stock is don't brand go near new. An open fire. Of course not. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> the stock is brand new. Yeah. In original packing. Thank goodness for that. I wouldn't want it coming in old packing with no flaws whatsoever. Well, that's useful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Our quality control inspectors. Who are they really? Yeah, have examined every blazer. Well, a 30 quid, a blazer, probably not that many, I would think. I wouldn't have thought so, really. Uh, naturally, you'd, you'd expect it in a quality tailored jacket. It's fully lined. Of course it is. Marvellous. And uh, it goes from 38 chest right up to 56. Oh,
1: that's a big chest, who isn't it? size 56? That's a big chest. <laughs> that is big, really. Um, we used to have a kid at school who, who got his uh, brother's hand-me-down blazer. <laughs> right. And we used to wear these kind of woolen blazers. Oh, I remember those, But yeah. by the time he got it from his brother... Was it thin? Well, it was basically just the lining. <laughs> you ever seen that picture of, El- the picture of Elvis, when he's lining. That Elvis when he's in that shiny gold suit? He'd go to school, go to school looking like Elvis on the cover of that album. It was, uh, it, was it was quite. It was always summer weight for him. It made God it more it difficult really, in the yeah. winter. Now we asked you earlier on yeah. what festered in your bag slash coffin. It needn't have festered. Well, we asked Gareth Batty, We will ask Grant Holt about this because if we've played a bit of Sunday morning sport or whatever we have our kit bag and most of the time we get back and we clear it out and in a seasonal sport like cricket Things get left there for a whole summer. It's not going to well, a whole winter. A really. whole winter, sorry, yeah. should I say. Uh, yeah. I, I, the springboard for this is that Joe Root, the England skipper, has kindly uh, allowed us to look at the contents of his coffin. And apart from it being great news for New Balance today, obviously, his oh, yeah. sponsors, it shows it's all very neat and tidy. I'm not sure every cricketer's uh, coffin will look like this. His flight case full of equipment. Everything seems to be in the right place. All the shoes nicely polished. Four sleeve shirts, four sleeve shirts. I'd like to think... Somewhere at the bottom of that, although he doesn't leave his for a whole winter, but somewhere at the bottom of that or one of his coffins, there's a banana that he forgot about <laughs> that he's come back and it's like a banana liqueur. The, uh, so but if they you'd... play all year
2: round now, so you know, don't get, the banana doesn't get a chance. It's more the amateur yeah.
1: cricketer, really. But of course, so when the football season finished for you or the cricket season finished or whatever sport you did, you could have been playing squash and then you didn't play for another five years. And you thought you took everything out of the bag. It could be a, It could be like money. You could have found something you thought you'd lost. Yeah. It could have been cash. It uh, could have been a rotten banana. It could have been a, a f- fetid sandwich. What was it that ended up in the bag? Something you swore blind someone had lost on your behalf, a teammate that you'd lent it to, but it was actually in your bag all the time. We'll ask the pros when uh, Grant Holt and Gareth Batty are here. But uh, what ended up in your kit bag that you forgot all about? Let us know this afternoon. Talksport.com forward slash H&J. You can text to 81089 and you can tweet to TSH&J. That's T-S-H-A-N-D-J. And we look forward to hearing from you.
2: Have you noticed that everything is woke now? That's the word. Oh, yeah. horrible expression, really, for being aware. It's just really that you're aware of various things. That yeah, I'm with, yeah, yeah. Things, yeah. Hmm. Uh, But this one's a classic in the Times today. It says... How woke is your swimsuit? Yeah. Oh, come it's a swimsuit. Well, I'll take it if <laughs> you don't
1: pop out the side of it by accident, that's pretty woke. I it's not very... If if you kind of slip out the <laughs> side, uh, as they say, yeah. that's not very woke, is it? Especially when you get out of the pool, you have earned a million dollars. Good afternoon, ladies. Why are they giggling? Uh, What's going on there? That's true. That's yeah, not that's that woke. Yeah, that's right. You should have got some bigger shorts. Yeah, how woke is Chris Wokes? That's I well, that's... that's yeah, that's got, he's question, got to be so woke, like he, isn't he, incredible. Chris Wokes. He probably spends a lot of time in the dressing room at players. <laughs> no, no, that's not... Funny, you should come have, and work on this show. You shouldn't have said that. Yeah, well, he, he could, well, he could get Barbara sang it on this show, no, he wouldn't would, he? Really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was looking at the
2: birth, uh, births in the Times today. Were you really? Yeah. And I'm uh, going through the various names of people, and the you know. Otley, Julia, you're not going to uh, have a girl, Olivia. You're not going to no, no. have a girl, a baby, uh, I'm maybe? not saying the names. I'm just saying oh, okay. their first Fair names: enough, Olivia, right. Charlotte. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that sort of thing. Um, Martha. These sort of names aren't they very popular? Rosamond and uh, yeah. what have we got here? We've got um, Amelia. No, no, name. Andrews. No, but not only no Andrews. Does anyone call their baby Trevor anymore? <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> well, no, they don't, Andy. I bet yeah. nobody. I, I've never met a young child called Trevor. No, you haven't, have you? Well, I haven't. And
1: the jury lyric you're doing there, <laughs> no, but you wouldn't because names—the way it works, Andy—is names go out of. Um, how many Kenneths? There might be a few Kenneths, I yeah. suppose. If you know a young child called Trevor, you don't have to, you don't have to name. There was a young child called Trevor. <laughs> but,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, there's not. There's not going to be, is there? There's not going
1: to be any kids called Trevor because it's. <laughs> I suppose it's, there? Are there's probably not going to be that many Darren's at the moment. There's probably not a lot of Paul's. I mean, how, when's the last baby you saw? Mm. Hello, Paul. Little baby Paul. That's true, It's not really. going to happen because, you know, yeah. it, it's cyclical, isn't it? You know, I the name's is, yeah. in and out of vogue. You'll be, your son will be sitting here, or grandchildren uh, will be sitting <laughs> in a few doing this show, saying, well, not many Rosamonds about, are they? <laughs> <clears throat> they didn't last long. <laughs> the idea of, uh, Darren's been in touch. We're handing the
2: business on. Uh,
1: when I had kids, I didn't play golf for two years, says uh, Darren. When I went back for a, a bit of Pitch and putt. I found a two-year-old sandwich that had turned to powder. <laughs> oh no!
2: <That's> <laughs> Beautiful good. powdered sandwich. Talking of golf, this was an interesting story. did <clears throat> you see the British Women's Open champion? Yeah, had the trophy stolen out of the back of a car in my area actually, yeah. and uh, they broke into the back of the car. Clubs were there, and they just <clears throat> took the trophy, yeah but not the clubs. And the same thing happened to my boy too. He was playing last week. Yeah, golf, and uh, they basically broke into his car. Stole his watch that was in the car. Yeah, and uh, but left the clubs. Well, look,
1: it's easier not to get picked up, possibly on CCTV or whatever, when you've got a watch in your pocket as opposed to a full set of <laughs> also on, tight a, lists. on a moped. <laughs> i was
2: thinking that's more the reason, really. Just off to the, yeah,
1: stop by the police, and I'm just off to the range <laughs>
2: with a full set of with clubs. a full
1: set of clubs and about a woozy and extra woozy for good luck. um Another one, Jack from Cumbria. We thought this might be a rich scene. Hmm. Um, I left a tuna sandwich in my cricket bag... Considering they don't smell the greatest at the best of times, my mum wasn't best pleased when she found it covered in fur six months later. Moose still would have eaten it. Oh, moose, yeah, if it's got tuna in it, even if it's powder. So it, it needn't be fetid, it needn't have rotted. Uh, it could easily be something positive. But what ended up in your kit bag that you forgot all about in any sport you played? Talksport.com. A winning lottery ticket. Well, that would be good, it? would it? It could be still good. be there. You may be going to your bags tonight, seeing if it's there.
2: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport you <music>
1: It's Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Grant Holt is with us in the second hour of the show. The former Norwich striker has got some fascinating tales uh, and a few kind of salutary lessons for young players on their way up if you're mm, a young player uh, looking to break into the first team. It can be a bit of a school of hard knocks making your way in football and uh, Grant has worked right across the divisions and non-leagues. Fascinating read and he's here later on. Jousting and the use of VAR within that Fine sport. We'll be talking about that. But uh, joining us in the studio now, man, I think probably launched his first ever novel uh, <laughs> uh, with us. We're very proud to is say. That how long
3: you been on the air? Well, it's yeah, that, well, sadly, oh, air. oh yeah, long time.
1: Uh, Dominic Holland, of course, comedian and novelist. Good to see you. Dominic. Hello, both. How are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: good. So, yeah. how many books is it now? You've That's written? number six.
1: Wow. Yeah, number
3: six. Yeah, over a long period, I have to say. That's the first novel for five years. Wow-y. Wow. The world needs it. Because <laughs> you, you, you sort of split between stand-up and, Yes, and, that's my and, main income,
2: you know, Yeah, novel, right? I mean, I saw you two years ago in Edinburgh I'll right. flatter you and say it was one of the best shows
3: I saw that year It was really good Did show. you see what more than one show?
2: No, I only saw one. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that keen. No, you yeah, saw no, lots
1: no. of different shows,
3: though, did
2: you? I thought show. you meant,
1: did I come and see yeah. you? <laughs> yes. You only saw one show and it was still <laughs> one of the best shows you saw. That <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, not, not the best. <laughs> yeah. Not the best.
3: That'd of the, be all the shows I saw, which I was was one, those it was on. one of but the best. But you,
2: you were saying that this novel came out of doing that.
3: Well, I've been writing this novel since that show. That I did Edinburgh last year. Uh, and then I did the, the, the show you're talking about. Eclipse was the, the year before, mm. and since then I've been writing this novel called I Gabriel. And they take a long time. I'm not. I, I failed English language O level at school. Oh. I, I I wasn't. None of my teachers are 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 um, were expecting me to go on and do what I did. So it takes me a long time to write a book. And I have yeah. to, it's when I've got a great story to tell, and I have to rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Why, why it takes me so long? Wow. So it's ready now, it's done, and I've, I've launched it, and uh, had a disastrous launch on Monday. Why? Well, the, your, your producers are asking who's the publisher? Who's your publisher? I said, me. <laughs> the, <laughs> you got no one to blame but yourself. I'm here. the publisher. Since, since I was published back in the day, I've not bothered. I just do it myself put it online and mm. make it a paperback and a Kindle. But you have to have everything in place. And unless you're very organised and very over technology, it could fall over, as it did. So it wasn't available for the first day, so that was a bit of a disaster. Aww. But it's now available and uh, it's been a lot of work and I'm dead proud of it. So tell us a bit about it. Hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's like all my books. It's, it's a sort of adult, adult fairy tale, it's a moral tale. All mm-hmm. my books are sort of, of that sort of um, genre. Yeah, And it's about a very, very, very wealthy man who has an epiphany. Uh, And it's the 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 epiphany is quite a clever um, thing in in the second act, and then it resolves. And the key thing about the book is it's short. It's a very you got it there. It's a very accessible book. Mm. I think these days people are are swiping, they're watching, they're looking, they're not really reading. And I Gabriel is it's a day's read, and that's why I think it took so long to write because it's less is more. Yeah, and it's got a great resolution. So even though it's a short book, it has a real punch. And, uh, um, you know, it starts off as a kernel of an idea in my head and it sort of gestates and and, and it's embellished over the years until a point where I think I've now got to tell that story. Uh,
1: in light like of what you said earlier on about uh, English etc um,
3: did you kind well, of me, take... be,
1: me being thick no I, think, well, I just wonder if you took any courses in novel writing or did you no no uh, did you just sort of set about writing a book and,
3: and no my dad was very academic he didn't he's not here anymore he died in February but he was a very bright man my dad and he was always beguiled that I could write books and when he reads them he reads them with trepidation thinking they're going to be god awful <laughs> <laughs> but actually you know he's always very, very he was always very surprised he said do how can you write these books where mm. did it come from because I do not I didn't read as a kid I haven't read any of the classics it is just me grunting it out Yeah. and I re- have to rewrite I reckon every book I write I reckon it takes me 20, 20 manuscripts at least to wow. just rewrite, wow. it, See, that's re-write quite, it that's
1: a quite a difficult thing in itself to have that kind of uh, that sort of self-awareness and, and that self Critical element mm. to keep going back that and thinking, no, it's still not good enough. Not
3: good enough. It has to be compelling. I, I think if, because I think it's not about asking someone to buy your book for eight, yeah. eight quid, it's about asking someone for the time to invest in reading your book. Mm. So you better give them a book that's worth reading. And for, I think a lot of books you read by the brand authors, the big famous authors, are very, very thin, not very worth, not really worth publishing or reading. So I reckon if you're going to spend the time, to write a book, you better take the make the effort or put the effort in to make sure that the audience or the readers feel you know, vindicated that they've spent time with you, mm. well, and that I, takes a long time for me anyway. I would have thought
2: this is a good time
3: of year to bring out a
2: book because people
3: well, not, are always, not not with my no, no, no. <laughs> not on my money. People are
2: people are going on holiday. And they, and yes, they, that's often the Often that's a chance when people have to read because you're yes. right. I think people do read less.
3: They do. And Most blokes I figure go on holiday and they take uh, they take uh, Jack Reacher with them. They take a yeah. Lee child book once a year. They yeah. read one book, and that's why I think I Gabriel has a chance because I, I'm saying to blokes, you could read this in five hours, one decent train journey. You can. And it's quite nice to say I've read a book. Yeah. When yeah. people say what you're reading, you say I'm not. Mm. It's quite nice to say I'm reading a book. It's quite nice to say I've read a book. Yeah. So. Um, We'll see. Look, I've loved writing it. It's a really, it's an interesting little tale, and it's got a really nice kick at the end. And I, I tend to always moralize, and, I, and I'm not a moral, I'm not a moralizing person. I'm not a terribly virtuous person, but my stories are always that. They're always well resolved, the, the underdog winning, and and truth, you know, virtue coming through. Uh, com- I'm, gone. I'm, really, say, I'm really, I'm really selling it, aren't I? No, <laughs> no, no. no <laughs> a, couple, a
1: couple of your books, are, are your previous books
3: still available? They are, yeah, they are. Because a couple available. of
1: them have got the uh, uh, sporting open links
3: ripple effect. Have got kind yes. of sporting angles to them. Well, the ripple they? effect was was a, was a, my second novel, which is all about a football club being being sort of asset stripped. Mm. And I I had a jam donut. By the
1: timely, really, and like what's been going. <laughs> Absolutely, well, I was it's the constantly head of my time going on call. since you wrote you it. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, and then open links was a story that I wrote for a blood, can- a blood cancer charity. All the money goes to to Anthony Nolan, and it's about a one day at the British Open, a journeyman who's qualified for Sunday. And he has this extraordinary round and everything comes together for him. Because, you know, I I played golf yesterday at Loch Lomond. That's how lucky I am. Wow. Wow. Yeah, brilliant. What a gorgeous place. And, you know, in that round, I had some unbelievably great shots, like a 240-yard, you know, three-wood off the deck. But uh, interspersed in that, some terrible shots. So my story was really, for these pros who can all, you know, shape the ball either side, what happens if all those shots come together at one time? Yeah and so uh, that's a great story mm. just 18 chapters 18 holes of a guy going around Muirfield and uh, the best compliment I was given was a sports journalist who said to me I've read your book Open Links and only one shot doesn't work <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> I was really, oh, really chuffed nice. having never been there was all conjecture on my part. Just me online, looking at the course, and then writing this novel. Wow,
1: that's uh, amazing! Another one of your books, "Eclipsed," uh, is. Yes. Uh, is on are we going to a... mention
3: my son? Well, no, <laughs> well <we're>, no, <laughs> we are because twelve minutes.
1: He is, is Spider Man for goodness sake! <laughs> yes, and again, rather, apart from remembering, I mean, because you've been coming into the studio see yes, for a very long time. Yes, we've known you for a long when time. When he was Billy Elliot, back well, you in the day. basically Even said you came that, in one day. You said, "I'll tell you what it was." You came in once and you said, "He's trying out for Billy Elliot." Yeah. And then you came in again, you said, oh, he got it. He got it. And he's so, it, yeah. I've, obviously, we've watched this unfold now over the years. he's back in a leotard. Yeah, he's back <laughs> in a slightly <laughs> different leotard. But it,
3: it, it must be weird it's for surreal, you, yeah. and, and you and you the family. It's great. Listen, it's, it's always been, I've always said, because Tom went to an ordinary school like I did, he got mm. spotted by flute. Yeah, he was not a stage school kid, was he? He'd never, this is what I love about my story about my little lad, Tom, is that he has never had a school uh, play, a part in a school play. He never got put cast in He used to he used to get non-speaking roles, and he'd come home and be disappointed. And we'd say, "Well, you know, just be the best cloud you can be." You know, <laughs> but he, then nothing uh, involving climbing. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything came in for Tom, and then he smashed every opportunity uh, that's come his way, and he finds himself playing Spider Man. and And that movie at the moment, Far From Home. It's done. I think it's been out a month. It's done a billion dollars. Well,
1: my my son and his wow. girlfriend went to try and see it. It's been out for a month, and they went to try yeah. and see it on Sunday at Cinema them and they thought they'd just rock up, and it was sold out. It's Sunday evening, right. like it's a six o'clock a show showing. I mean, it's days,
3: huge yeah. movie. Isn't I it? do believe you can get copies of I Gabriel. <laughs> 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 yeah, buy this. I mean, you, get, you
1: buy one of these, and you, you get a free ticket to the. Uh,
3: but yeah, no, it's amazing. And the little lad is the same lad as he was back in the day. Yeah, he hasn't changed. He's well, just, he just has more. We cash. went
1: to a we went to a screening of a, a movie, and, and he came along with you. And he was kind of. I think he'd just done Billy Elliot. And mm. He was very quiet and very. I mean, it's hard to believe you're watching the same. I he mean, did. on on Graham Norton recently. Yeah, it's like uh, I mean, it must be kind of strange to watch. Your he's ways on with Tom Hanks,
3: who we grew yeah. up with. I mean, you know, Apollo 13. Mm, sure, and my wife Nikki. Uh, met tom hanks before the show recorded and i was a little bit reticent because you know he's doing the show as well and i'm not going to go over there and be a fanboy but you know i watched tom hanks all those movies back i mean save a private ryan yeah forrest gump and so then when he's on the sofa with your little fella as a colleague mm. it, it is a very it's a bemusing experience and and then how how tom handles it how sort of um he's erudite he's he, again a bit like me really i was my, my dad being bemused at me being able to write books i'm watching tom speak and think yeah. He can't speak like that at home. It's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Yes, it's nice. It's a nice story because, as I say, it, it was a it was a piece of um of good fortune. Yeah, yeah. and, and if
1: oh if you on. want a eclipsed, isn't I say another of uh, Dom's books that kind of tells that story. Of, tells that story uh, of your about, son's career overtaking yours. And I'm doing
3: gigs in pubs, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'm enjoying my gigs. That's the thing about yeah. my my job. I started mm. out as a stand up, and I love the idea of. I mean, I look. You know, I'm not. I don't live in a castle, but I live in a, you know a house in London. And I, and I look at my house. and think I've bought this house. Being funny, yeah. And mm. if you'd said that to me when I was 15, I'd have been delighted. Mm. So you can't be. You can't be. You know, you can't be anything other than happy that you're still in the industry. It's a. It's a tough game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. sure. stand up's particularly tough. It's very obvious if you're doing well. You know. Mm. So I, when you're writing,
2: are you still continually doing stand up? I well? am.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I am because I mean the book sales. <laughs> no no <yes. laughs> You gotta do stand around you've got eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well
1: let's see if we can put that right. Because uh, twitter.com dot forward slash Dom Holland uh, at Dom Holland uh, it's, it's it's actually Domo Holland isn't it? Well, and it's D-O- just
3: basically it's online. You can go to yeah. any of the any of the online platforms. Dominicholland.co.uk. Holland called I Gabriel and it will find, you can find it.
1: Okay, uh, fantastic. I Gabriel and uh, Dominic's latest book and all the other uh, previous ones are there as we said. Golf book uh, and uh, Ripple Effect, which is about football and other stuff. A man's life. And the first book, Made in America, is Only it? In
3: America. Only all, in America. They're all right. of a type. They're all f- yeah. They're all books that I've written with a view to This Will Make You Feel Good. That's Brilliant. the idea. Excellent.
1: Well, always good to see you, Don't Thanks so nice much to coming you boys. in. Thank you. We nice studio, guys. Nice. Thank yeah, you. Same views. old presenters. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, nothing. You can't <laughs> yeah, spruce
3: everything, everything up. Cool boy <laughs> era. That's yeah. what you were going to say, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lads. The Hawksby
2: and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport.
0: J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: The Hawksby & Jacobs
1: Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Talks me, Jacobs, here on Talk Sports. Uh, we've been joined in the studio now by Grant Holt, former Norwich striker. Uh, we're going to talk about his autobiography, "A Real <coughs> Football Life." Good to see you, Grant. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's uh, kind of uh, it's interesting. The book starts with you scoring at Anfield, and you know, there's certain autobiographies you think, okay, those sort of moments. Uh, and happened in a player's career. But I think it, it gets put into context by the rest of the book because it was quite a topsy-turvy career. You know, you'd you you go up a couple of divisions, you'd go down a division again, you started out in, in kind of playing at lower level. It was a long road to the Premier League for you. You weren't kind of spoon-fed it, were you?
4: No. Well, that's... I think if you, whenever journey you're going to be on, that's what you have to do. You've got to work hard and it's not perfect. As I always try and tell our young lads at Norwich, it doesn't matter where you start or where you finish, it's how you enjoy it on the way up or down. Um, and I think there's too many people get fixated on you need to be in the Premier League in this many years, but I think sometimes if you do it the hard route, you appreciate a, an awful lot more, and I certainly did.
1: And you were prepared to take steps back during your career. Not, not didn't want to, but you'd look at the bigger picture. That was quite noticeable, and I wonder if there's a bit of a lesson there for maybe some other players out there today.
4: I think, I think you've just got to go and, and grab it. I think you make your own decisions. Sometimes you can be led in other directions where it look a little bit better, but I think sometimes you've got to make your own own decisions. Go with your own intuition and just think. Look, this could be an opportunity for me. And back yourself. Back yourself. If you're good enough, if you want to drop down a level and you go down two two teams, back yourself that you're good enough to, to do that. And that's what I've done at Shrewsbury. Um, I've done it when I went to Rochdale. You've got to back yourself and and have the drive and the ability and your, and your confidence in yourself to to achieve your own goals.
2: Mm. You had a good time at Shrewsbury, didn't you? Led to the move to Norwich, and that's that's where I tend to think of you. Of that. Period that you had at Norwich in the Premier League.
4: Yeah, well, I think a lot of it was obviously when I was at Nottingham Forest, we ended up getting promoted to the Championship, and I had two good years there. But I don't think re- people ever really remember that because it wasn't until I went to um, obviously Shrewsbury and then we achieved what we achieved at Norwich, which everyone grabs and and that's just part and parcel of, of the way it is. We talk about players all the time that no one really spoke about three or four years ago, and all of a sudden we're now speaking about them because they've got to a higher level, and that's just the way football is. Um, I think the biggest surprise for most people is everyone only when you read the book forget I was only at Shrewsbury one year. And I think that's uh, one of the biggest problems. I got sent somebody the other day that was in an all time 11. I'd only been there one season. So it obviously shows you how, how much you achieved at that football club.
1: Yeah. You a Carlisle fan as a kid, weren't you? Oh, you no, got- still am. Go, go, go. not <laughs> as a kid <laughs> as in, still there. but no, <laughs> well there's a great story in there with Rodney Thomas yeah. meeting meeting Rodney Thomas and asking uh, for a picture and an autograph and he thinks you're taking the mickey
4: yeah it's it, it's one of them things it doesn't matter what level you get they're your heroes and yeah. I've said this before it doesn't matter who it is or whatever you are as a kid if it's not football if it's acting or whatever something resonates with you and I said for, for me he was him and George Agania I talk about in the book as well I met them two idols on two separate occasions and I was both asking for a picture and I was still starstruck this was like 10, 15 Years later, because they're the people I just idolised. It didn't matter what level Carl I was. Look, we've never got any higher than League One for a long, long time. So yeah. um, I saw him playing the top division when I was a kid. Yeah, so well, was, yeah. you were lucky then. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I saw that team with Chris Baldiston and stuff and that yeah, sort yeah. of. It and I watched them in the
4: League Two for too long and League One. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it is
1: it, no matter who your
4: idol is that's your idol. And I of couldn't course. get around it. And, and they both both laughed both times. George Agani laughed. I was on goes on the Premier League. He he's like, you want to fight with me in this dressing? Like, absolutely so,
1: <laughs> You say he's, that's right you put him down that you've you've got some little lists throughout the book haven't you kind of little quirky lists of uh, of sort of favorite things from your career and uh, he pops up uh, in one doesn't he as a, as a favorite player
4: yeah, well that's, the one thing i tried to do with it is, the book, I've, re- I've read quite loads of what I've done, it I just wanted to do something different, and I thought, because if it, if it, I've done, I just wanted to make the football about my journey, I didn't want to make it about other stuff, I wanted to make it predominantly about how the football journey went, and that's what it was, a little bit about my past in the background of how i have done it, I just thought these little things were quirky, just little top five service stations and chocolate yeah. bars <laughs> and different stuff, Um
1: but it's so, quite funny. Oh, the, the chocolate bar was interesting. I'd, I'd say I'd say probably one of the most controversial things in the book. Yeah. Number one, your favourite chocolate bar, secret bar, secret. Really? That's right. Yeah, they
4: were, they chocolate casing
1: bar. with a creamy mousse. Yeah, it was nice that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about creamy mousse. <laughs> <laughs> and then the topic, the Twix, the Boost, and then are we nougat. Or we nugget. What are we nougat? nougat. I'm, oh, no, right, I'm you know. it's, it's class ward we scone or we scone <laughs> and we'll make some decisions yeah these have been good I thought the opposition players was quite uh, interesting I mean that's a, a very interesting part of the book as well uh, top five best opposition players uh, Gareth Bale you make number one yeah
4: he, he's very topical at the minute so it's quite good he mm. was just he was just sheer class uh, um I remember I was actually on the bench when we played McCarrow. He actually scored both goals. He'd done nothing for 20 minutes, kind of floated around the ring, got the ball, and all of a sudden he goes one nil up. And that, to me, is what you measure someone as being one of the very, very best. Didn't really get involved, didn't really do much 1-0 one, you one down. And players like that are just effortless to watch. David yeah. Silver, people are just unbelievable. You didn't go to China, but
2: you 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 played in Singapore, didn't you? Yeah, I wish I was going to Singapore for the money you <laughs> was going to China for. <laughs> um, if you were very young, that must have been quite yeah, an experience.
4: It, it was just so bizarre. I'd literally gone, um I left... left um, Halifax and a friend of mine who was at Halifax gone to Australia, I literally went there for a month decided to come back, it wasn't really for me and the manager then went to Singapore and said look do you fancy three months out here and I thought perfect, well I'm going to get paid, I'm going to get the sun, I've got a great place to keep fit and then um, I said in the book in the mince that I'd had a deal kind of offered off Carlisle but they couldn't get it through and I went and just had uh, absolute fun. Do you know So It was probably one of the best things I've ever done in mm. terms of met different cultures um, being on my own having mm-hmm. to fend for myself, being there trying to Oh, your money's going this, that and the other. It was kinda of one of it was that level where one week you got your wages and then the next week it was a month and a half later. It was kind of one of them scenarios. So you learn really quick, but um to actually come back from there. It's probably one of the main reasons I I think I got the move to Sheffield Wednesday off the back of that is because by the time I got back to Barrow I'd literally had four months of running around like a lunatic in Singapore yeah. so it was the fittest I've ever been and literally I took that in I was confident with scoring goals and literally it took me all the way through with Barrow and then obviously they moved to Shepherd Wednesday
1: Were there other chances to go abroad later in your career? Or, or
4: yeah I had a, I had a couple of when, to go to Australia when I was at, um, I was at the end of Norwich and was at the end of Wigan but it just didn't really pan out that way so mm. I was kind of the kids at an age or so you can't yeah,
1: yeah. move now anyway. there, there's Some interesting stuff talking about Gareth Bale there you said when you go up and play in the Premier League in some ways it's easier uh, to play against Premier League uh, defences or on a Premier League pitch. And what, what what do you mean by that? You, you just know what you're
4: getting. I said, we can watch a Champions game one minute once someone's one nil up and all of a sudden the free one down. It can turn on a, a spin of a coin. Um, the, the difference with the Premier League is you go with a structure, you go with a game plan, you know they're going to keep the ball, they're going to keep in front of you. It's going to start working hard in the final third. The trouble you got in the Premier League is the moment you think you're in a game, Someone like Gareth Bale turns up. Oh, hmm. I always remember we went to Arsenal and Thomas Rosicky went with a game plan. We we're playing. Um, Paul Lambert walked in and said, "We're playing four-two-two-two today. We want them to go right down <laughs> the side <laughs> of the pitch. Hmm. We don't. We worked on it all week." Don't let them come through the middle, that's where they're really good. Send them wide, send them wide. So we turn up at the Emirates anyway, we've got, all of a sudden, the ball goes down the left wing as we've told them, show them wide, show them wide. Rzyski comes in and bends it in the top corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after 45 seconds. Yo, so thanks. We actually got back in the game, actually. We ended up being 3-3 free, free in the end, but um, you, you just can't predict it. Yeah. But the, the one thing you can't predict is you know what they're going to do, you know what the players are, they're very consistent in what they do, and that's the difference between the Premier League and the Championship. And probably all the way down, it's the consistency, regularity, of they do the same things, Constantly good all the time.
1: And you said people often ask you who were the best defenders you came up against in the Premier League, but you don't really remember because you said when you come up against very good defenders, the top defenders, you spend most of your time defending against <laughs> well, you, them. Well, you do. Chasing them around. You do. It's just, it is.
4: You, you're playing Man City and you're camped inside your own half. It's just the way it is. I said, the one thing about the Premier League is I learned to get a rub in my neck because every two seconds I've seen the ball going past me. <laughs> um, it, it is. It, that is the level you can never, you never test yourself. As I said, I always love it when the best Play the best, and you, you see like Barcelona getting spanked off Liverpool and stuff like that because we've all been there. We yeah. we've we know that look. Everyone knows in the Premier League if you're going up with Norwich, at some point you're going to get hired and you're going to get spanked. They're going to be five, six because they can do it to the anyone. Mm. So um, I think that the best thing in the Premier League, what you want to do is, and I say this all the time, whoever goes up there, you get a defeat, you've got to wash it off
1: and start again. Yeah, I mean you did brilliant. I mean you were twelfth. I mean you scored 15 goals that first season. The team finished twelfth, which was fantastic going. And you did. You took a couple of hammerings, five one and six one from City. There was those moments, but that was a brilliant first season, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, it was phenomenal. As I said we just kept with our game plan. We knew what we were were good organised and worked hard and that's what we've done and obviously we had a little bit of quality here we added a little bit more and we were just a great team we just enjoyed being with each other and I said to achieve what we achieved was phenomenal because as I said it's every year you go up and it'll be the same people are expected to go straight back down but you just gotta as I said it's about belief in what you're doing and straight away forgetting about the defeats because every week you can get beat it's about getting out of that run as quick as possible
1: something you probably weren't used to playing for Workington back in the day was uh, what Eunice Cabal the then Spurs defender said to you when you you played against him (laughs) (laughs) tell us about that Um,
2: well
4: look when you're going up as you go up the level, well, when you start at the bottom you learn very quickly how to when you get kicked not to get hurt so much. Um that's what you learn very quickly. Um, when we got the Premier League, I remember playing playing against him, the ball's gone down the line. He's for some reason he's he's left one on me for some reason. And then um I've got him back and he said basically short story, you won't do that again. Blah blah. Um fifty fifty down the line and I've absolutely done him again and absolutely buried him. <laughs> and as he was saying stuff on the floor, I was saying stuff and I was just saying to him, Look, don't go off. Don't don't bottle it. Don't go off now. We're in for a battle. We're gonna have a good old day, yeah. And he bottled it and went off anyway.
1: You <laughs> oh. will he, see he was injured, but he did say to you, what, "Do you have to be so aggressive? Why yeah, are you, you flailing your arms around?" And exactly. I think you, yeah. you told him you didn't necessarily agree with that's that. That's what and I do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that a Premier League defender, a man, who could put it about himself when he wanted to, would say that. Really. Well, I remember playing against uh, John Terry and at the end of the game, obviously we still got be
4: four-one. I managed to score in the game and stuff, and at, at the end, obviously being captain speaking to John and he said look I really enjoyed that he said it's not it's been a long while since I've had a good old fashioned battle up. That's and great. Then that what, and good. what more of a compliment do you want than that do you know yeah what I mean? Absolutely. The Hawksby
2: and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport.
1: Well, Hawksby Andy Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sport. Uh, Grant Holt is with us in the studio. We're chatting about his autobiography, A Real Football Life. And uh, just going back to Carlisle, you said, if you ever played for the club, you wouldn't just kiss the badge if you scored, you'd lick it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I mean, you played against them a few times. It was a bit of a contentious penalty in one game you got some stick for. but So you never actually got the chance to play for them. Though.
4: I played in two friendlies, well, yeah. three friendlies, um, we played Celtic we beat, and I scored two in the game we played Newcastle I scored one in the game but they still didn't deem that enough to get signed on so I don't know, I, I don't know what else I had to do <laughs> what
1: have you got to do yeah. there's, there's a lot of interesting characters in the book guys that you, that you kind of look upon as mentors Paul Lambert obviously is pretty important to your career but Mark Robbins earlier on in your career as a player that come in you said I learned from a striker who'd played at the very top level this was before mm. you'd played at the top level and you said you he passed on a lot of that experience to you and, and was great to work with it was just easy to watch yeah. you,
4: you could learn so much by watching him, little movements and stuff and you do finishing drills and I do some and you'd see him score it and then you think I've just missed that again and then you just ask a question, and how comes he said, oh your run's different to my run, this said no. and, and mm-hmm. like I say, I say to our young lads at Norwich now, it's like we've got a lot of lads in the academy who are quite quick and I'm like, you can't do what I do my run's always going to be that little bit different to yours because I need to get there early but you can come a little bit later yeah. and I just watched him and learned and little runs he'd done he scored a, I think it was a hat-trick he scored against Carla in the League Cup and it was an unbelievable hat-trick but same runs and he was sticking and he was great for advice he was, he was at the end of his career um, he was kind of playing and wasn't playing so for me it was brilliant mm. to, to, to be able to sit there as a young kid and pick Mark Robbins' brain yeah. for what yeah. he's done was unbelievable. Did
1: you pass on any advice to a young kid who came in at Norwich called uh, Harry Kane, who uh a little spell on loan there? Did you, what did you make <laughs> yeah, of him yeah, when
4: well, he came it in? It was all my talking advice, course, so, according so, to where he was going to be. You me. made you yeah. him what he is. He, um, <laughs> he's a great guy. Um, I said, it, you don't really get to see him. I've seen him We I'd done a game for BT, and um, and he was, he was there for Spurs, and I managed to have a little chat with him and stuff. And look, I'm absolutely delighted he's done... Done what he's done and what he's wanted to achieve, he's a fantastic lad to have in the dressing room. He was really unfortunate with actually he actually done his he done his knee when he was widows. He he hadn't really played. Yeah, uh, he'd been training, and then he just got he, he got in the team, and he was having he was having a game, and then he'd done his knee and accident. Unfortunately, he had to go back to Spurs. But the one thing I always say to everyone when they asked about it is "What was he like?" I said, "His worth e- e- ethic was unbelievable." Yeah. Mm. End of sessions, always twenty balls one side, twenty balls, and he was an absolute absolute natural finisher. Mm. And and he's he's not really changed. As I said he's Spurs suit him massively, um, the way he plays, the what he does, the, the role he can do for them. But I think is once you're a natural finisher and you've got people like that giving you the ball you're always going to have a chance
1: Now to build up to Christmas uh, we go to games sometimes and we see a player pick up a, a second yellow and we think oh he fancied Christmas off and we think oh, no that wouldn't happen <laughs> That wouldn't happen no. That would happen <laughs> <laughs> I've got it a does... funny feeling I see where this is going <laughs> Does it happen Grant? <laughs> yeah it does yeah <laughs> Of it does well, I mean, It kind of slightly backfired on you didn't it?
4: Yeah it did a little bit yeah we we were playing Wickham uh, and needed one yellow card to, to um, miss a couple of games of a, of a, of a boxing day and uh, New Year's <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the stumbling point was I was already on 10 by Christmas so I don't think that's where he was very happy with it but uh, uh, ball went over the top and thought well he's a chance to, to get, get a yellow card and um and literally take it, and that'll be me off, and then I can restart the the start of the new year. And refresh, start, yeah, the refresh, refresh? Yeah, refresh over yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the club a favour, Yeah, really. cr- Christmas break that they didn't get, and then I'll come back f- yeah. uh, fully refreshed, no yellow cards, and off we go. What I didn't count on was that the yellow card turned into a red card for a 240 challenge. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but but the thing was that um, made it even worse, that one of our players, um, Ernie Cook- Cooksy, who I talk about in the book, God rest his soul, yeah. no, sadly no longer who does, he'd only got a red card. So I'd walked into the dressing room at the end of the game and he went, what score was it? Is he going to hand me? I went, well, you're probably all right now because I'll probably take a little bit of stick off you because <laughs> I <that> would sent <laughs> off as well. So. And then the thing that killed me even more is I came back from the suspension and then got a yellow card in the next game. Missed the two games after that anyway. Oh, God.
1: no. Uh, I thought some of the stuff about becoming a Premier League player and the things that change, such as you're on match of the day, which you don't expect. The papers mm. will have a bit on Norwich... On your club, whoever you're playing for, uh, in more or less every day, and a very odd occurrence in London when you were there, you realised that you, you know you had a bit of fame beyond, uh, beyond the local area. Yeah, well, when
4: you're not when you're not in the Premier League, it's different. Now you get more exposure and everything like that. But when you're in the Premier League, and you kind of think, oh, what is it going to be? You know, you're going to be a match today, but you don't realise how it takes a global audience. And I came to London literally about three weeks into the season. I was having a walk around with the wife, and then literally all of a sudden, I walked along and next minute I've turned round and I've walked past this group of um, some Chinese tourists and then I've gone about 100 yards and next minute I turned round there was like 35 of them just chasing after me asking for pictures and you're thinking, <laughs> really? right, are
2: incredible. they actually
4: shouting my name and it was just it's that point you know you've you've gone to uh, that different global audience yeah. so, but that's the way the game is now isn't it it's sure
2: what about uh, the wrestling hmm. thing? Because you got a lot of publicity about
4: that but it was a charity thing wasn't it? I mean, yeah i mean, I'd done it for the hmm. big C. Hmm. Um, so basically it was um, I tried to do it a year earlier they asked me to do something at an event and I couldn't do it because I was still playing a Barrow. So I said can't do it we had games in this and the other so I said well the following year I'm going to be off we'll do it and kind of started off like that just we are going to do a little event and then I decided to do what I do and spoke to Norwich and Norwich being Norwich looked after me and said yeah can have it at the ground and then the pressure was on Uh, we ended up getting 4,500 I think in there so raising money raising money for the big C and it was more it wasn't even a factor of the money the awareness that the big C got in the local area for Norfolk was absolutely phenomenal And, and look I'm one of them people that if people normally ask me to do stuff and I quite like the sound of it I'll just do it just for a yes and as I said, to do whatever you want to do, just to raise money for charity, why wouldn't you do it? You no,
1: got you got your top five wrestlers in the. Uh, hmm. Is it the Undertaker number under one? Undertaker number one, yeah. So you're probably into your wrestling, yeah. You like everyone it? was in the nineties, wasn't they Yeah, I suppose. I had
4: this debate with of the other day. It like, "Wrestling's fake." I said, so's EastEnders <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many people going to to about that pub every single year and keep it, in, keep it in the East End.
2: You won the Crusher Mason Memorial Trophy. Beautiful, is that right?
4: <laughs> I did.
1: <laughs> Which, um, if
4: if the actual people know it, is actually quite prestigious um, thing for for the. For the company, which was just great, yeah.
1: Brilliant. Um, when you had that great season, uh, for Norwich, when you're at Norwich in the Premier League, there was some talk of England, wasn't there? You, you, it looks like you came kind of pretty close. Capello, well, it, came and watched watching, well, it? it was. I was just speaking to Adrian Dummer about that actually, and he actually gave me
4: some praise, which I was quite shocked about, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Look, don't th- worry. He'd be saying at four
4: o'clock, Grandma was he all that? <laughs> yeah, he was all that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was one of the things. That, what, what killed me, I think a lot, a lot of it was because Capello got the sack, yeah. and obviously the can in between. There was a friendly in between that I think Stuart Pearce um, actually took took over it, and um, and they didn't pick me. Brought some young lads in who who've, have done all right there since. Um, and it was just one of them things. The thing is like, I. I was trying to say to somebody the other day, it's hard not to be... You're not bitter about it, but obviously mm. you're devastated about it. Why would you not be devastated to try and get called up for your country? The, the laughable thing is that would I ever dream I would have been there from where I was to get where I was? Uh, and that's the way you've got to think. But it's all about opinions. I said uh, Roy came in and decided to go with other people and, and that's what it was. And yeah. um, I said, it's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow when you're that close. I said, to, to stand there and, 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 and represent your country is the ultimate. But I said... The year I had to take it, take it, on the chin, and get on with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you kind of look at your career as a whole from from where you started and stuff. It was a, a fantastic career, wasn't it? Well, even won. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> what more could you want? You played in the top division. Well, I could have got an England cap. Great... That's more. That's well, more. More. Well, I wanted. Well, yeah. Well, I, you know, I suppose you're right. I mean, yeah, it seems like you've coped with um, with re- uh, retirement pretty well. I mean, because a lot of players, you've di- you've probably played with a lot of players who found it a lot, maybe a little bit tougher than you have. Yeah,
4: so far. I think I think they had. <sighs> the hard thing is when you come out is it, it's not the yes you love still the football you're watching you still do it's the day to day and the being around the lads and it's doing all that that's what you miss you miss the structure the routine um i've been quite fortunate i've still Put me foot in the non-league a little bit because of, I still muck about with a, um, well not muck about, but I play for Roxham, who's a team in Norfolk, just because yeah. Adam Jury's there end stuff. So I still kind of keep in and around it, um, which I still think more people should. I think there's a stigma about going into non-league and playing there. Hmm. The thing what I do find now, I get more stick playing in non-league than I actually did when I was in the Premier League, <laughs> which is surreal. Are you a bit of
1: a scalp when you're playing at that level when they know you are. Um,
4: I don't know. To be fair, I don't. There's not many people who've ever really had a scalp on me when it comes to a, a grappling, a scrap, and a fight. I'm not that at that. It's the technique stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love football. That's yeah. just my thing. I've always done it when I was six, and that's the hardest thing that people yeah. try and wrestle. It. The one, the day that I will be sad, it won't be when I actually retire. It's the day I can't actually do it anymore. Mm. That'll be the day that'll kill me when I'm not. Level and my knees finally give up on me and my ankles starting to go, which some would say it was a few years ago. But, <laughs> but you clearly love the game. Yeah, yeah. of course you do. Why wouldn't you? No. I try, you try to explain mm. people that you've done it since you were five year old. That's all I've done. And yeah. That's what I love. And it's
1: being brilliant. around a pro club has that helped. Being around Norwich, that kind of transition of you say you're not in a first team dressing room, but you're around. You know, you're around a, a professional setup.
4: Yeah, I'm you? very lucky. Norwich have been absolutely fantastic. To me, I said I've been ambassador there for nearly three years, so I get to do. I can go and watch training whenever I want. I can go in and see the lads. Mm. Um, I. Work in the academy with young lads all the way through from twelve all the way to twenty three. I'm really fortunate about what I do and, and I actually love it. I love going in, I love watching them. I've watched about two, two, ten games in the last three weeks of all different age groups, which is which is great for me and it gives me the ability. The one thing that it's important to do if I'm working for Norwich is you've got to see people. You're gonna gonna know what's gonna come through because at some point someone's gonna chuck a curveball. Tell me about this kid, yeah, yeah, and, and you've got to do it. So I'm I'm quite. Um, the one thing that would talk about the worker ethic. I make sure I know what kind of what's going on because you need to know because it's it's part of my job.
2: And they had a great season last season. How, how do you think they'll go in the Premier League?
4: Um, I think it'll be all right. I think it's the same thing. Every time you go up, and no matter what team, everyone could say flip a coin and see how you land. Um, it's all about being good at home because it's a perception of if you start winning games at home and you lose your away games, everyone's having a good season because you're doing really well. Mm. Um, I think they've got enough. In the squad and in the dressing room, pretty similar to when we went up, they've still got a good unity. They know what the manager wants and they know what they expect. Um, they're trying to do it the right way. Um the football club's in a in a five year plan, they're two years ahead of where they wanted to be, so they've got nothing to lose this year. It's a free hit. Um the club's in a, a great place with in the middle of we've just sorted out the brand new Academy building, which is fantastic. The first team building's gonna get done in hopefully next year, which is which is phenomenal for the football club.
1: And finally, this comes from Sheffield Canary. He said, could you ask Grant what's the most ridiculous thing someone has ever said to him when they've met him? I say this because (laughs) I met Grant as a 38-year-old Norwich supporting professional lawyer. And all I managed to say was... I love Cumbria. <laughs> it doesn't ring a bell, does it? No, he wins it. Yeah. i just try saying say that alone. Yeah. Well, good to see you, Grant. No, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks very much for coming. We wish you well with the book. It's great fun. We, we touched on some of the stories. There's some other really interesting stuff in there, of course. We've not covered everything. A Real Football Life. Uh, is it out now? Is it out? Yeah, it's week? out. Yeah, you can get it on online at the, the Norwich Stone. I think it's at Waterstone as well. Brilliant. It'll be on Amazon and everything. So, uh, yeah, good to see you. Thanks. Thank all. you. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. So there we are. That was this afternoon. You're not here tomorrow, Andy. You're no, off I'm to off Edinburgh. for a
2: few days. Yes, I'm off for a pre-scouting mission for us. Yeah. And uh, we will of course, two shows coming from Edinburgh later in the month. I'm really looking forward to those. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have fun. a good
1: time. Get Thank you, you very find much. us some good shows um, and some good guests. And I'll be here with Charlie Baker, comedian and talkie fan, uh, tomorrow from 1. Thanks for downloading us as always.